Elbua Cafe is a small not-for-profit coffee shop located in Hidalgo Nuevo Leon, Mexico. It sits in view of the majestic El Potrero Chico, a world-renowned rock climbing destination. Since 2010, thousands of people have come through our doors to partake of our amazing coffee, great food, and to share in our community. Everyone has a story, and I get to share them here. I'm your host, Jan, and I present to you Tales from El Buo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tales from El Buo. Today, we have Josh Wood with us. And hi, Josh. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thanks. Um, Josh and I don't know each other very well. I've met him a couple, one time at the Crag yes. and his girlfriend. And so, Josh, if you would... Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from. Okay, uh, my name is Joshua Wood. I'm from Ohio, a town called Aurora. It's like south of Cleveland. And yeah, I'm 30 years old. I turned 30 last December. Woohoo! So it's been good so far. What are you doing in Mexico? Basically, we came to explore, essentially. I mean, before Corona, I had been going to school in Seattle I was using my GI Bill to go to wooden boat building school but like so the semester started and it was like January to March so basically I did like three months more just like an introduction to woodworking and learning how to use all the tools before I would go into like the more boat specific classes but then once the pandemic hit things got pretty wacky and then I had bought a school bus when I was there. Really? Yeah, so my plan was to like build out the bus while I went to school because I figured I'd be learning and I also had access to all the tools at school. Oh. So it was like a sweet deal. Um, <clears throat> but so when the pandemic hit, I had my car, which I have here, and I also had my bus because I had bought it while I was living in my car. And so I, I flew my cousin to drive my car while I drove my bus. And so, like, on the way home, I didn't make it past Montana. The bus broke down. Oh, no. Yeah. Your house. <laughs> pretty much. I left the bus there. My cousin had to fly home because he had only taken a couple days. But this was, like, like right at the beginning of the pandemic. So, so it was March. like Yeah, like, April. Because okay. I stayed a month to try to see, like, because nobody knew, like, right. what. But it seemed like my school was saying, like, maybe we'll start again in April. Because it was supposed to just go from, like, winter semester to spring. Spring semester was, like essentially when like it started to like get to what it is now but so i just remember like my cousin flew home and i drove the rest of the way like across to ohio and it was just so interesting to see like how because it was like the wave of it was coming through so it was like when they first had like the first like plastic hanging things in front of the counters and just like seeing how everybody was like what's going on in a way it was just an interesting time to be driving through the u.s yeah but so i got to ohio i stayed there for a little bit and then i went back to get the bus because the people i left it with the mechanics they said it was fixed but when i went to get it again i drove it for like another hour and the same thing No. so then i went back to ohio again and then eventually i went back to montana again and i ended up living at the shop with the mechanics and then like i actually went on their family vacation with them (laughs) did you really (laughs) yeah we went to idaho this is what happens when you meet great mechanics in montana pretty much yeah they were like we go to these these sand dunes saint anthony sand dunes they're just like these crazy big dunes and they go drive like sand cars and dirt bikes in the and it was like for a week but after that is when i basically a week i was with them for a week then we went back to montana because those sand dunes are in idaho and then that's when Dolly flew from Mexico because she had, she was supposed Dolly. to, Dolly is my girlfriend. She's from Puebla, but she had been living in Barcelona for like four years. But we met in Northern California when we were working on a farm. She flew to Montana in July, like late July. And then so we lived, we lived in the bus in Montana for like a couple months. At the shop? At the shop. It was like right near these like the idaho montana border uh-huh. like northwestern montana and there's like all these mountain lakes oh. and so we just would go and like hike and find these lakes and like fish and swim in them and there we picked a lot of like what are they called uh a berry that is only there i can't think of it boysenberry no <laughs> 
I can't think of it. I'm going to skip it for now. And okay. I'm going to remember it before the conversation's over, though. But so we picked a lot of berries. It was just I had never really foraged so much in my life. It was a cool place to be like that part of Montana. There was just all kinds of things to like eat and fishing like that and then like cooking them on the fire. But basically we hung out there for a while. The bus never got fixed. We ended up driving it to like Eastern Washington and then figured out finally what was wrong with the bus and got it fixed. And then from there we drove from Eastern Washington like up through Seattle all the way to the north of Washington and then down the coast all the way to Northern California. And then we worked there for three months and then went to Ohio in the bus no we left i left the bus in northern california okay and my car had been at home the other car so we flew to ohio spent like december there my mom and my i have two sisters and my youngest sister has two daughters so we just like hung out with the family Uh uh-huh and then i we drove from ohio to south in ohio Uh visited my uncle and then north carolina i visited some friends i was in the army with and then from there we went to florida my grandma and my dad live in like Tampa. And then from Florida, we drove to New Orleans for like a day. And then New Orleans to Laredo, Laredo to Monterey. And we stayed with Dolly's cousin for a little bit. And then we came here to climb. And Dolly like wasn't into climbing at all, but now she's pretty about it. I was going to ask you because the day I met her was only the second time or third yeah. time she'd ever climbed. She led her first route like the other day. Great. Yeah. Great. So it's been fun. She's yeah, been she wasn't sure it. if she was going to like it or not. No, right? she was like, for a while, she was like, I'm, I'd be like, are you ever having fun? And she's like, not really, but like, <laughs> I'm trying. You know? Aww, but I mean, she, I think that's part of it because yeah. it's, it's intimidating. For sure. So. But she's brave. I mean, she's already lived in other cultures and. Yeah, exactly. Where's the school bus? The school bus is in Northern California. Did you sell it? No, it's just waiting. How have you got it? It's like, I have like a kitchen in it, sort of. Uh-huh. And then just like a, like a, like bed, but then under the bed is a lot of storage. I haven't done much to it, mm-hmm. but it's like we lived in it for like a while, at least for like five months. Well, yeah, it was nice. I picture it being like in the movie where the guy gets out in the middle of nowhere in his bus uh, and he lives. Little, is it into the wild? Yeah, is it kind of like that? Like it's, you were living kind of like that? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It was super. It was a really nice summer in Montana. That was cool. We just sort of, and then same, in Northern California, we lived off the grid for like three months and just worked, and it was just a nice, on a farm, and just Mm -hmm. nice. Did you work on a farm where a lot of other people are doing the same thing? Because a lot of climbers come through, and they go work in California, weed farms and stuff off, Yeah, you know, in the off season, and they just camp and live in their cars. Exactly. There's, it's like a whole culture of people too. And that's what's, I mean, that's where I met Dolly at too. And mm-hmm. she's from a whole nother country. It, it's interesting because there's a lot of foreigners yeah. who hear about it, almost like the gold rush type thing. And they come to try and, and figure it out. It, it does remind me of same, like when you're at a certain crag and there's just, you automatically have friends if you're there mm-hmm. because there's other people there who are into the same thing or sort of have like a story and you know right draws an interesting crowd oh such interesting people yeah were you raised in suburbia yeah pretty much i think it was like we always lived it was like gridlockish you know Uh, there uh was like streets and i would like ride my bike or my skateboard and just like go it was like early 90s too so it wasn't like i feel like it was interesting because my generation is sort of the last generation that we like transferred into having phones in our hands all the time. Right. But we, there was a time where we didn't. Like I remember what it was like before in a sense. Mm-hmm. And now you see like, I just see my nieces and they have like the iPad, but they're like four or five, you know? And yeah. I, it's just, a, it's like a part of our culture or our society now. So it's like, you gotta learn those tools in a sense. But I think it's just interesting to see like how much time it takes away from other things. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like this false, like you're searching for meaning in it, but not with the kids. With the kids, it's different because it's just sort of like a way to pacify them in a sense, I think. (laughs) Your babies, the electronic You can learn a lot, though, on Mm -hmm. it, but that's like it's a double-edged sword. Right. But just, I don't know, I think I remember my childhood was cool, but things were different. I think like a 13-year-old then is different than a 13-year-old now and just like the way that it's a crazy world. That's true. It's pretty wild. And the internet's opened it up to more it's predatorial just like, yeah. things too. For sure. Dangerous things. And I, but also it's like, I think 
we used to get our information from like certain a certain place and now there's just like free information everywhere in a sense so it's it's like it's it done a lot to the people Mm because i think we used to sort of be given all a similar story that it probably came through a certain like it was funneled in by television which was controlled by or the radio too there's so many interesting books about just like attention the attention of people and Mm -hmm. how it's essentially sold and i think with phones now because they put it in our own hands whereas like with the tv and like maybe when you were growing up everyone would go in the living room and watch tv together it wasn't like you didn't have a tv in your room or so i don't know it's just a weird thing i see yeah and you've lived off the grid yeah exactly like intentionally you turned off everything for sure i think it's i think it helps me be a happier person Mm -hmm. or like not even happier but just less pulled in different directions Mm -hmm. you know it's so hard not to look for something in my phone in a sense right what is it about it that is so important like when someone loses their phone it's like they usually get one like the next day right it's like a serious thing you need a phone yeah and at this point too even it's like for me being in another country i i enjoy a map and a phone is a great map like a very convenient map with like google maps it's very i don't have to like figure out where I am I can just go and know that I can use it that's the thing it's something that's good for some things but then I use it in bad ways at times like it's I find myself getting sucked into it or it's just an interesting so when you lived off the grid do you (coughs) did you find that to be a healthy time for you and it was hard to pick it back up or do you pick it did you pick it back up? yeah I mean I think it's always something too like even for me because I remember this all started because you asked me about my childhood and I was just thinking like yeah even like being in the military being away from all my friends in my community and that was like the beginning of like Facebook and I remember Facebook was so cool to me because I could still stay connected with the people that I left when I went to do something for my you know like a different path so it allowed me to like still talk to my family or like see what my friends were up to but that was also a time I think before like my grandma was on social media so it was like I was a different like it's interesting to see how what Facebook everyone found something in it in a sense right but it's also such a weird thing now yeah like it's people say it's getting in the way of election that's what I mean like the internet seeing it come around like thinking it was something and seeing what it's become has been like a really interesting thing and I feel like the people of my generation are the last I mean obviously people before us knew what it was like without the internet but I remember both like I remember seeing it go from that to that and now Mm -hmm. it's like here's like the we're now in the everyone always has a phone it's like crazy if you don't have a phone right you know it's like that used to not be like a thing so I'm curious to see what's next I know where are we going I hope we go back to less connected, honestly, less connected electronically and more face-to-face. Exactly, yeah. It's such an interesting, because pe- that's what people say is we're so connected, but it's not a wholesome connection. Yeah. It's like a, I don't know, it's, it doesn't scratch the itch, mm-hmm. you know? I got rid of my all my social media this last May, and it has been so freeing. Yeah. Like, And I'm not anxious. No, it's such a weird, it is, because it's like, so many people I know, like, the last thing you do before bed and the first thing you do before when you wake up. Yeah. You know, it's like we're very phone-oriented. So I find myself looking at it and thinking, like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm mm-hmm. like, why am I looking at it? Like, I know. I don't even know when I started or, like, you know, it's like <laughs> some kind of, like, it's just crazy. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy? And I wonder. Yeah, I wonder with you what will, what's next. Well, let's go back to your childhood. So you grew yeah. up in suburbia, kind of, you know, riding yeah. your bikes, hanging out with friends. Exactly. And um, one thing you commented to me when I, I met you is that you were kind of bored as a teenager. For sure. I would. I think I mentioned, too, like thinking that I, I never thought I was smart, but I realized I just wasn't interested in school sure. in a sense. Like the, I think I also – and when, you, when I really look at, like, all the things that I learned, all the time you spend in school – and it's like they say it's education but I don't really understand what they're educating us on in a sense because I feel like when I started to realize like what life is 
or like what it is for real in a sense i was so it was like blindsiding almost uh-huh. in a sense you know but i guess maybe i was just sheltered in a sense some people might have more exposure sooner but i didn't leave till i was like 19. what you left and you joined the military yeah i joined the army because you said that you were kind of lost looking for just kind of trying to figure out stuff what what made you join the army i guess i, I was pretty much you know like a bum like not in a bad way but just like a 19 year old who did wasn't going to college and because i didn't feel like i i didn't want to waste my parents money mm-hmm. or like be in debt first i didn't know what i wanted to do i was only 19 you know i feel like i still had a lot it's taken me a long time to figure out my life but the beneficial thing with the army was it was like i was in it for six years and even now i still am figuring out who i am but then it was like i had i had a job and then i had i was fed i was housed and i also was still figuring out like who i was but on the government's with their support but i mean obviously i had to you know you worked yeah i worked and there was things i did yeah right but it's like the transit like going into it early right after high school it was almost just like similar to how i would feel like going to school it's like it just was what i did sure you know it's just like was my routine and i went there and did that but then when i wasn't i was i hung out with my friends Mm -hmm. and it was similar in the military i feel like it's like living with your parents but your parents are sort of like assholes yeah you know Uh but they still like buy food and give you a place to stay right so i think it's it's not a bad opportunity well, you told me all the great opportunities it gave you later on, like you really appreciate now. For sure. Yeah, those are things that I never could have really imagined. I would say if I could talk to myself before I joined the Army and tell myself anything, I would say think about, as far as picking a job, like think about if you want to do it, what do you want to do after it? Or do you want to do it forever? Because I didn't, I didn't want to stay in the military forever. Mm-hmm. I didn't really even want to join in the first place. It was more just like... I saw that it was something, especially in the American culture, that doing would benefit me. Like, you know, you couldn't, it's not a, it's a job. Like, I didn't think of it like a job. I thought of it as something like, whoa, the army. But once I got there, I realized like, it's anybody could do it. It's not such a, I think it's stigmatized as like such a hard thing, but it's really, it's the same as like going to a nine to five. Sure depending on what you do. Because there's so many support MOSs that aren't like combat. Mm-hmm. And even like, I mean, I was in my deployment, there was definitely combat in like times where things were tough. But at the same time, I wasn't like, I was there to like put supplies in boxes and then put parachutes on the boxes. And then when we would push them out to people who were like actually out in the combat. So it wasn't necessarily like, I never wanted to like die or kill. Sure. I knew that from the beginning. I just wanted to, like, take a step forward with something that would, I guess, like, I didn't want to go to college, but I knew, because my dad had joined the Navy, so he had always talked about it, even though he was only in it briefly. Mm-hmm. And now, like, the benefits now are different from what they were, like, when people were in, like, Korea or Vietnam or, you know, mm-hmm. like, po- pretty much post 9-11, things have been pretty killer. There's the GI Bill, which allows you to go to college for free. And they also, like, while you're going to school, they'll, like, if you're a full-time student, they'll pay your rent. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. And then there's also, like, loan opportunities as far as buying, like, a house when you get out and things. I mean, I'm not even going to say, like, I don't want to sit here and say, like, you should join the military. But for me, it was something that I never thought I would do and I never wanted to do it. But because I did it, it definitely made my life it was, I couldn't imagine what I would have done if I didn't do it now. You know, it's like something that, I guess once I started, it's just like, now I'm here to this point. And you re-enlisted, right? I re-enlisted at a year. So I like, initially I enlisted for three years. Okay. And then I ended up getting stationed in Fort Benning, Georgia, which was like a pretty much a place I don't want to be. It just is like, there's really not much to do. Mm-hmm. It's just hot and like swampy. But so at like a year and a half, I re-enlisted because a couple of my friends re-enlisted to go to Italy. I figured like that sounded cool. I was like 20. I figured I'd want to go to Italy. So I re-enlisted and I went and it was super cool. And then out of Italy is actually where I ended up deploying. So it was like I was supposed to be in Italy for two years. I was there like 
nine months then i deployed for a year and then i came back and i was there for three months and then i got stationed back in georgia the oh, same no. spot for like the, the next two years oh my gosh so it was like my plan didn't work out so well but <laughs> sorry yeah pretty much and it but at the same time like for me too what always made it was the people right pretty much same as life for me it's like mm -hmm. the people are the best part about it i think and it gave you such opportunities, which is what you told exactly. me. I mean, you're now looking at, do you want to buy a house? Do you want to settle down? Like those kind of things. And you're going, well, I can get a loan at. Exactly. Yeah. It's a possible, like it's a possibility that to me, seems, it's like, I almost don't even, it's not that I don't appreciate it, but it's like, I did it for that, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, it's super cool to be, cause it took a long time and it sucked, you know, like I wasn't, a fan of it ever really i thought that the military would change me but i realized then that like i could just be who i was and it sort of got me by mm -hmm. which has been like always how it sort of been in a sense sure but it was surprising but then i was sort of like depressed because it's like i didn't want to do it you know right. but I, but i also i mean i don't know how many people want to go to work you know like i think that's i realized that that's what Life is, like, this is what growing up is, is you sort of got to, like, do something you don't want to do because everybody else is doing that, in a sense. But your adulting is looking way different than a lot of other people's For adulting. For sure. So you got out of the military when you were 25, 26? 25, yeah. Okay, so what have you been doing the last five years? I mean, you went to wooden, wood, wood boat? Bo yeah, so I've been on, like, a... <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I... When I got out, I had, so basically also, this is another cool thing about the military, I will say, because in America, a lot of people live to work instead of work to live. Okay. With the military, what was cool was the time. So it was like every month I was in, I got two and a half days of leave. So I saved it like my whole time. So when I got out, I had 52 days of paid vacation, but I saved it like until I got out. So then I got f out 52 days early oh. and was like getting paid the whole time. So I backpacked Europe with a guy, the guy I re-enlisted to go to Italy with, he he got out also, but he actually ended up getting back in. Oh, really? Which is crazy. Jamil Dijala, the great guy. <laughs> and it was cool because there's actually this rotation of airplanes that goes from like certain military base to certain military base. And it goes through Baltimore. So we met in Baltimore and we flew for $15 to Germany. Yes. And because we were still on orders because we were on leave. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, we went to Germany, and then we we went to, like, Italy. We went to Greece. We were supposed to go to Barcelona, but we missed our flight. He went to Malta. I ended up falling asleep, and I had to fly to Turkey. And then we <laughs> met back in Italy. But So that was cool. And then I came home for a while. And after that, I actually went and worked on a farm in Hawaii. And then I worked there for like a month. A pineapple farm? Uh, it was more like just a fruit and vegetable, like an organic farm. Okay. It was in Oahu. It was a super cool experience. I just did a lot of hiking and swimming. Did you camp there too? Yeah, I lived in a tent on okay. the farm. Um, and then after that, I came home for a while. And then I went to Iceland. And I, all, I worked on another farm, like a sheep and horse farm there. And that was really interesting. And I ended up meeting like this photographer and she needed help with this project and so i like was her assistant and she like basically interviewed like all these people throughout the east of iceland because the ring road is this road that goes around the whole island and they don't get like by the time people get to the east their like trip is coming short so they like cruise through the east and go back so they like tried to bring more people into the east through like making this these like pamphlets and all this stuff which my friend was in charge of and so it was just basically i just got this i like met the right person and just got this incredible experience had you ever done anything like that before a photography <clears throat> assistant or anything i well so like i've been a photographer for like oh, okay i bought my that was the crazy thing the first thing i ever the most expensive thing i ever bought the first thing i ever bought with my money in the military was my my first camera uh -huh. and it was like three thousand dollars for my first camera and it was like the most money I have I had ever spent on anything. It was like that as an adult where it was like, whoa. Like I was like, I'm a grown up. Like I can buy a thing that I want, I guess, you right. know? So it was like such a crazy, but even before that, my dad had bought me a camera 
and originally I dated this girl who was who had a camera and I got really into it one summer yes. but mm -hmm. I've just always taken pictures okay so, so it was like yeah I mean I was definitely I liked photography also and she was but she was like film photography okay so it was super cool but I would help her carry her camera and I basically like she had like a rental the rental was like paid for by the people paying her and then she also had like all these like we just stayed in all these hotels and it, she interviewed all these people and I got to meet them and it was just like super cool experience. people as in like Icelandic the people? yeah the mayor of these different fjords and like these interesting people who they wanted to bring attention to like so we met this guy who was the forestry like master of eastern Iceland and so what's really interesting about Iceland and their trees is the trees that naturally grow there aren't like you can't like get lumber from them so like back in the day they like the people from Iceland like went and visited all these places with similar climates and like hunted for essentially these tree seeds that would survive in the environment uh. and just while we were there the first guy who had grown his own trees and like made his own like small house out of Icelandic lumber had it had just been like he had just built it we, she actually interviewed him as well but it, it was like this guy he planted like a million trees on his own and then like wow. made his own thing how long it did it just, take for the trees to grow for him to be able to build I think like 50 years so 50 or 25 wow and it was like there's a thing they say where it's like if you're lost in the forest in Iceland just stand up <laughs> because and anything yeah. there that is green is man like man planted it which is a really interesting information is it beautiful it's super beautiful it was a super cool experience the people are different uh-huh which is a different kind of place but it did remind me of hawaii in a weird way i think it's an island thing yeah just the way the people are on islands are different They're are they laid back a, yeah it's not such a rush super cool what do they eat in iceland Fish. crazy stuff yeah fish i ate this we ate all kinds of weird stuff but i remember i had this like fish cheek soup it changed who i am it was like incredible <laughs> this lady made this focaccia bread and it was just like the, one of the best things i had ever eaten but they it was it's they're not so like soft like in america we like our dogs sleep in our beds like the dog there slept in the snow and he got like fish bones like sure. dogs are like the shovel it's like a tool you know i think and also the way they act and they eat all of the animal. They don't like waste pieces of it because mm -hmm. it's like you in the beginning, like you could only get so much there, like the whole export import thing. But everything's really expensive there as well. It's cheap to get there, but it's expensive. It's an expensive to be there. place. Yeah. How long were you in Iceland? Like two months. Oh, that's a good amount of time. Yeah. I try to play. Usually when I go somewhere, I like to stay there for at least a month. I mean, obviously you get what you can take. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you can get a day, take a day. If you can get a week, take a week. But for me, I like to take a month. Because I feel like, you know, the longer you're, things just open up more when you're there more. You can feel the, get to feel the culture, yeah, get I to mean, know the people. Yeah, you understand the place a little more. I mean, obviously, go see it however fast you can if it's what you sure. want to do. But for me, I like to try to be there. When you were in Afghanistan, did you get to experience the culture there, too? For sure, yeah. I mean, I was there for a year, and we worked first, like, face-to-face -face with, like, this, like, 11 Afghanis who were like they did the same job we did mm -hmm. and they were like just as good as us at the job and it was awesome we did would, you go eat with them yeah we would eat together and it was super cool how was that did you make friends like yeah good friends with them no super I mean I'm usually if I'm with someone every day especially for a year we're obviously going to be best friends yeah so it's just they were all they were my family. What was your favorite part about Afghanistan? Besides the people, I mean, obviously the people, but what, like, can you, do you remember a moment eating with someone or? I think it was just more like the simplicity of it. I, it was, I, I brought a different side of, like, I really appreciated every day because mm -hmm. it was like anything could happen and when it, like things were happening constantly. So it was like, at first I was so scared, like the first week. And then I just remember by the end, like if like the indirect, like the alarm went off for like, you know, like missiles or mortars or whatever, like it was just like a normal thing. Like if it was my turn, then that would be what happened. But I wasn't going to like wait and be afraid. I would just enjoy my life until yeah. I couldn't anymore. It brought like a different side of me out, like a side that is hadn't, it didn't go away, but I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? I think people are afraid of the reality of life, which is that it's not gonna be forever in a sense, you know? Right. 
So I know. I think. Well, I think about here in Mexico when we lived through the drug wars, and it did change society. But it also you, you kind of live with that knowledge sure. that things could happen. But you have to go on with life. Like life doesn't stop. You still have to go to the grocery store. You still have to eat. You still have to. Like, I agree. Deal with your neighbors and all of that. It's That's just, how I feel about the pandemic. I feel like you're right. It's but people are treating it as if before we were going to live forever or something, you know? Right. I mean, I understand it's scary because it's a new thing that we don't understand so much, but I think, I don't know, like automobiles are insane and we drive them and like, don't pay attention. Right. Like it's so <laughs> casual, you know, like no one's like afraid to drive their car, but I bet like when you swim in the ocean, you're like, I hope a shark doesn't bite me. Yeah. But it's like, okay, how many people like this interesting statistic I heard is, Mosquitoes kill more people, or yeah, they kill more people in one day than sharks kill in a hundred years. Like, but I'm never like, oh, mosquitoes. Yeah. But like, if you look at it, like, especially in Africa, with because mosquitoes spread these terrible diseases and Mm -hmm. it causes all these problems. But it's just these irrational fears that obviously they're rational, but you can't let it be like, can't let it stop you from living. Right. And, it, and so you changed your perspective. Exactly. And now these last five years, I mean, you, right now you're basically a dirtbag because you live in your car. And, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's what you see yourself doing in 10 years. I don't know. I mean, I think I'll always be a dirtbag in a way. You know, I mean, whether it's in a house or a car, uh-huh. I don't think I'll really be trying anything so hard besides like whatever I want to do at that moment. I don't know. I think I'll just enjoy that's good more i don't know i think a part of that too is like i remember watching my mom work so hard growing up and then like in 2008 with like the whole economy and all that stuff that happened and like the business she worked for it went under and like my mom now she still works like two jobs oh like she tried her hardest her whole life and then just sort of got shit on yeah which is like i understand that's part of life it made me sort of never want to try hard as far as like working right like a job but yet you have money yeah exactly <laughs> i think that that's ironic? part of it probably yeah <laughs> from military and just exactly living frugally like you do for yeah <laughs> i think the best thing for me too is like i never that was with the military i never got into debt a lot of people do though they'll like buy a new car because they have the money but i sort of was always just very i didn't get my license so i was like 21 and then I didn't get a car that worked till I was like 25. So like I really never like paid for insurance or spent any kind of money on anything other than like food, like my camera. Mm-hmm. But I had that camera for like 10 years. And now you have money and you're traveling around. You're not working right now, right? Nope. But I also like I invested a bunch of money. Okay. And that's that worked out. And also just I like if I make money, I usually put it back into something that could make more money. Like what? Like selling weed. Okay. Pretty much. Uh-huh. So do you own something like, well, you sold weed in? Well, more like being, when I worked in California, like on the farm, uh-huh. it's like the market in the West is super saturated. Like weed is legal in the West. Right. But then you have the East Coast where it's not legal. Certain places like Michigan, in Michigan it's legal. And I think maybe in Boston, I don't know for sure. But so just basically the cost of weed in California is substantially cheaper than the cost of weed in the, in the East, East Coast. Mm-hmm. So if you essentially, if you can get the weed from California to the East Coast, you could essentially like triple your money. It takes time. And you have, that's the thing that it's been, that's an interesting thing is like, I always enjoyed smoking pot, but I never understood everything that went into it. Like as far as from the plant to harvest, to trimming it, to, even if you grow like 300 pounds of marijuana, you have to be able to like turn it into money. Right. Like you can have that, but you, it's not an easy thing to like sell weed, especially because it's essentially illegal, which is an interesting thing because it's a plant. Yeah. So basically when I, like I worked there and then I just bought weed home and gave it to my friends to sell. Did you ever think about owning a farm? I would love to own a farm, but it wouldn't be a weed farm. It would just be, like, enough to self-sustain. Okay. I mean, I like weed, but I I don't really care to make... Like, being super rich would be super cool, because then I could, like, give a bunch of people money, and they could 
buy whatever they wanted to be happy or whatever they thought that was, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think for me, I'd rather just like have a cool big piece of land and just create all kinds of different opportunity with things I enjoy and like food and cooking and yoga and just like that whole kind of, I don't know, I guess like a commune, but like, I don't, everybody's communes seem bad. I feel like they like don't turn out good. People make it seem like, I don't know. I've never been to a commune. Me neither. But I feel like. I've just seen cultish communes but where I they think all like drink Kool-Aid and a lot of Yeah, that's intense. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like a cult could be like, I feel like in the military I was in a cult in a sense. Sure. You could say like climbers are like in a cult in a way. Yeah. I think everything's culty. There's obviously like, there are cults where people like all drink poison, which right. is like extreme. I don't want to be in that kind of cult. Com- communal, I don't know. <laughs> even Not even anything communal, but just like a place where like I could live and feed myself and still I would love it to be like in a place like here like near a place where I could climb mm-hmm. and just enjoy that you know because that's the thing I think thankfully because of the military I'll never really have to work to survive that's amazing I'll be able to just like sort of do what I want to do for myself and not have to really worry about like if I can eat food at least you know right. which is like I feel so grateful for that but also it's it's hard to not that I don't appreciate it, but I don't like it's just how my life is mm-hmm. like it's my reality, you know, so maybe I some people might think like, wow, but for me, it's just like it's the it's what I did, like it's what I wanted. So now here I am. I got. But you didn't foresee being able to do this, did you? Five I mean, years ago, I never wanted to do like I never wanted to felt like I knew the military would put me in a place that I could not do what I didn't want to do in a sense. I feel like if I could do something I didn't want to do for the shortest amount of time and it would benefit me the most, I felt like the military was that thing in a sense. Like it was the most extreme. Like if you would have known me before like 18 year old me to 19 year old me that joined the, like nobody expected that to happen. Even me, I was just like, I'm just going to do this. And then I just did it. Right. You didn't really have the, I didn't think about it. it or anything. I just like did it. Because it was like, I didn't know what else to do. And I wanted to do something that would be drastic, like a big, like jumping off of something. Sure. You know? Which is literally like the job I picked as like a parachute rigger. He was like, you can jump out of planes. And I was like, sweet. Like, I didn't think like, will I, will this be marketable when I'm 25 and I don't want to do it anymore? Yeah. But nobody needs anyone to pack a parachute. It's not like a, I mean. But yeah. yeah. Like. It's not a big job market. No. it's Whereas, like, I, you know, if I know people that were air traffic controllers make, like, six figures. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, I could have been, like, a mechanic or, like, uh, an engineer. How did you figure it out? Did so, did a light bulb just click while you were in the military and you're getting paid and you're going, oh, wait a minute, I have money. I better make this work for me. No, I made it, I met, a, on my deployment, I met a guy who, like, changed my life. Essentially, he was, like. You should pay off all your debt and you should save your money. And I was like, okay. And he like, basically he explained like a lot about sort of about like financial, just information. You know, nobody really teaches people how not to like fuck themselves over, like screw up their future via debt or like a credit card or like bad choices that you don't realize until it's like too late. And then you're like under the thumb of, you know, some kind of interest rate or something that is just like, like my sister like really she did that she like got a new car you know people like nobody teaches anybody no they don't so it's just like so some guy just says that and you're like okay i'll do it pretty much yeah so while i was deployed you get like i was there for a year and you get there's all kinds of hazard duty pay and things like that and plus I, i literally was in afghanistan for a year so there wasn't anything to spend my money on so essentially i just put away like that money for that year and then I just save that even till now. I still have like, I just let it sit in other things that build interest or whatever, you know. That is amazing. And a lot of guys get out of the military and then they want to get married and have a family and buy a house and you didn't. I mean, I'm divorced actually. Oh, you are? Okay. So you did get married. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There was a phase where I thought it was, I mean, I tried. Uh-huh. I tried marriage. Didn't work out for me with that individual. And But it was always. But you didn't I mean, buy a house and settle down? No. Yeah, no. Did you live in a car when you were married? No, I had an apartment in the middle 
they paid for me. Oh, you were in the military. Then. Yeah. Okay. I was during. It was like for six months. Like the last year I was in the military, I was married for six months of it, and oh. so like I got divorced and then I got out. Okay. So it was like a huge change in my life. Yeah. Know? It sort of set me on the path that I am now. That's like I couldn't imagine if I was still married. Like what would I? I don't know what would happen. It's but like you a, have a girlfriend who travels with you and exactly. lives in a car. Yeah, Dolly. She's awesome, by the way. She's super great. And she's from another culture. Exactly. How's that been? It's been cool. I think it's difficult to be with people from different cultures. I mean, not in, that difficult is bad. You know, I yeah, think it's, it's just work. It, it's, it's just also, it's like, a, it's interesting. You know, I never really understood it until I had, I dated someone from a different culture. And then I was like, wow, okay. Like, it's like, there's just certain things that like, maybe like a joke or like some kind of reference to something that most people would know if they were in your culture type thing but it sort of goes astray right it's just interesting and also just like beliefs and what you believe and where it comes from and your education and but i also think it's changes like parent to parent in a sense as well have you met her family i haven't met her family yet no but they seem great she had an interesting childhood it seems like do they speak english no, I think your brother does a little. Okay, I just wondered if you met them, what how that would go. Hopefully, you know? yeah, my Spanish will be a little better by then. Good. When are you gonna go to Puebla? I'm not sure. I think it's just like, if at, when we get there, we'll get there. I know we're heading tomorrow. We're heading out to oh. St. Louis Obispo, I think. Oh well, I'm so glad I caught you right before you leave. Right? Yeah, That's me too. Awesome. Yeah, ever since I met you, I was like, I gotta have this guy on the podcast, even though I hadn't even started at that point. So, That's fair, yeah. Um, it's a pleasure. Yeah, so now that, um, well, I have one other question that came up while you were talking. Um, do you consider yourself patriotic after being in the military? I would say I think, like, I'm grateful that I'm, like, a white male American. Not in, like, a way where I would say I'm proud of it, because mm-hmm. I didn't, it just happened. But I will say, like, I've met a lot of people from different places, and I think it's easy to be a white American male. Like, it's easier than the other ones. So, like, I think that's, like, I'm not, I feel like, because what is patriotism in a sense? Like, being proud of where you were born, but, like, why? I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, like, I was just born here. So, I don't know. I think it's sort of, like, I'm not a patriot. Like, I think America's great, and I obviously, like, I fought for the country in a sense, but it wasn't, it was more just, like, I needed I needed to do something. It wasn't, like, because I know people who are, like, true patriots. Right. Where they're, like, I'll die for this country. And, like, I don't feel that, you know? Like, I'm not, I think America's cool, but only because it seems like it's hard to be from other places in a sense. Like, right. it's rougher, you know? So I think it's, I'm grateful that, I guess, because, you know, look at, like, Mexicans are fighting to get into America. Right. You know, like I'm more fighting to get out of it. You know, like. <laughs> well, here you are. <laughs> exactly. But it's just like, you know, I think patriotism is stupid, sort of. Like, not in a. Not to say anyone's stupid, but it's just like, we should all be happy to be on Earth with each other. Like, human I, race. I wish we were more like cool about like everybody's culture and we could. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's not realistic. And that's one thing I learned in the military. I mean, if it wasn't America who was, like, bullying the world, in a sense, it would be someone else who was, like, the powerhouse, and everyone would be afraid of them. So, like, I think it's, like, because that's, I mean, learning that, being in the military, you know, like, America is everywhere, and we say that we're helping, but I think whenever we, we don't help without being helped. I mean, obviously not, like, every American, because I think, like, you guys are here doing, but that's different from, like, patri- like, I feel like, I, want, I don't even know what is the exact definition of patriotic but is it like being proud of your country because i don't know i don't know exactly what patriotism is like what does it mean fully it's like finding your identity and but like through your society that's a really good question you know like you shouldn't have asked that question no 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 it's okay but it's just like i would because it was it is i mean because i did something that was like people would assume like oh i love america like you were in the military like you have to be like but it, for me, there, and that's the other thing, is there's so many people that just, like, didn't know what to do, and they're like, I'll just join the military. Right. There's a lot of misfits who are, like, still trying to figure out who they are through this, like, medium of a job or an experience that takes you to this next phase of your life. But a lot of people get stuck in it, 
you know, and they, I mean, why not? Why not do 20 years and then retire? I mean, you just did six and you're basically exactly. retired. <laughs> exactly. But I think, you know, certain, it depends on like the situation. Not everyone deploys and not everyone jumps from planes and has like certain injuries or whatever happens or everyone's exposed to different things. Right. You know, everyone's experience is different, which is what's so crazy. Cause I thought the military was like this one singular thing, but it's like, there's a people's job is like they're in the band. Yeah. Like they play like an instrument. Imagine playing an instrument for your country and like getting paid. And like if you had a family, they had like all these benefits and you had like free education just because you like played the trumpet. I actually know someone who's a tuba player for yeah. the army. Dude, it's got to be sweet. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> it's it's such an interest. It's, it's like a mini culture. It's like a mini. It's the same as like normal America, but the government pays you and you have like less. It's almost like jaily. You know, like, it's a bit like jail in a sense. <laughs> but, like, the yard is bigger. Right. Like, when you're – because it is. It's so weird. It's like <laughs> it's they, they own you. You know, like, they literally own you. You have to ask for permission to leave and things like that, you know. I mean, you can obviously just leave. But it's this whole, like, imaginary system that they teach you, and then you have to, like, play the game. It's right. the same as the world in a sense. That's really interesting. It is. It's super interesting. But I mean, it's like anything. You, you go, you, you go to work. You do your job. You go home. Like you are. There's you when you're doing what you want, and then there's you when you're doing what you have to do or what you right. say you have to do. You know, it's like it's just an interesting. I don't know. Do you think being owned, quote unquote, owned by them, made you be like you are now, which is a free spirit, or were you already that way? I was pretty like I was always like a hippie sorta. Uh-huh. But it definitely, like, bummed me out for a while because it was, like, you know. Caged. Yeah. I mean, but not that I really knew what I wanted to do anyways, you mm-hmm. know. More, like, lost but also in a cage. Right. Like, but I think it was good for me because I would have quit and they would have fired me. But I don't. you can't really get fired if you don't do anything wrong and I didn't quit. So it's you can't really quit unless you, like, you got to, like, it's just, like, a big deal. Like, getting, like, a like a dishonorable discharge or like other than honorable it just it would have been a waste of all the time that i put into it once you do it there's not like a hey never mind like in like a handshake and you can leave it's like you have to do it or like you basically like smudge your record in a sense that's good though for people i'm sure and that's what i'm saying i think it was good for me there's consequences to it exactly Mm -hmm. it sort of makes you follow through i've always been pretty like flaky in the sense of like i I feel like there's so much out there, so I tend not to get too caught up on whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I try something, and if it works out, cool. And if not, I'm like, I'll try something different. And hopefully I, one day I find whatever it is I'm looking for. Right. The other question I'm going to ask you, and then I'm going to come back to that, because there's one thing you were talking when you were talking about weed. I wanted to ask your opinion about, not about legalization, because I know where you probably know where you stand on that, but like Mexico. And I don't know if you've bought weed here, how you feel yeah, about no. that. Yeah, no, and I think that's a whole, yeah, obviously a different thing because I'm sure it passes through, like, deadlier, dirtier hands. Right. And it's more of like a – but to be realistic, I mean, even the le- even it being legal in America – I mean, think about alcohol and tobacco. These things, it's the same. And I mean, there's always going to be a way to find something recreationally – a drug or alcohol like it's I don't know what it is about humans but those things have always been like these plants and these things that we turn into whatever they are to be sold or whether it's legal or it's through the cartel those things have always been around I feel like Mm -hmm. so it is just like it's an interesting it's interesting like I don't know I mean I I wouldn't want to put any money towards anyone getting hurt but I feel like what is your taxpayer money goes to the government and they pay the military and the military kills people. Mm-hmm. So the America is powerful in a sense, you know, I mean, we're fighting wars. It's the same. We were talking about like littering and then like, even when you put all your garbage in the garbage can, like they just bury it somewhere. It's not like it's going somewhere different. It's just out of your sight, you know? And yeah. I think it tends to be like, Things that are out of sight or out of mind, in a sense. It's the same with, like, 
people wouldn't kill an animal, but they'll buy, like when you buy the food at the store, it's packaged. You don't think about. We didn't watch it get killed. Exactly. So like buying, like if I'm buying weed, it's like in that moment, I'm just buying a bag of weed. I don't necessarily think about like every, all the hands it passed through in Mm -hmm. a sense, you know. I wasn't sure since you'd worked on weed farms and, and there are climbers that come here that refuse to buy here because they want to know where it's coming from and not wanting to support it it, it's 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 just a difficult thing to for sure but i wondered your opinion about that because you have worked in farms and you've seen you know legal yeah healthy ways of of doing that exactly i mean yeah i think it's like the same as where's your food coming from you never if you don't know directly then who knows what's happening in between you and it yeah, it kind of makes you just want to build, have a farm, like you said, and self-sustain and just not sort of, about know. all of that. Yeah, I mean, I just would love to have like a, even being here has been nice because you're sort of, you see the same people, you can form like a relationship over time. Mm-hmm. It's like a community. And I think like, do you have that wherever you are? Wouldn't it be nice to just be like, to knock on your neighbor's door and be like, hey man, like, what are you up to? Do you want to hang out? You want to eat dinner? Like, I don't know, I, wherever I end up, I want to create a lot of that around me. So, Not that everyone has to join, but right. I'll be like, hey, I'm gonna, I want to know who lives around to be me. be available. Yeah. I like to spend time with people. Well, when you came here, that was pretty obvious. I remember you guys came here and you didn't. I bet you your first day here. You yeah, it was, we were lucky, hours. yeah. And I remember somebody ran into you on the road and said, come on up and climb with yeah, us. Yeah, we had met these two girls from like Monterey and they were here for Butchero Chicas. Yeah. And then, yeah, we basically met like a couple of people from the Bujo and then. It just took off. Yeah, it's been like a month now. Yeah, I remember just thinking, these guys are going to love it. We, I even told Dolly, you guys are going to love it here. It was great. Just, we have. I'm we glad. We loved it a lot. I'm glad. I hope you guys come back. We're, we're not going anywhere. So I definitely will be here again. That's for sure. So what's next? This will be the closing part of the time because we've been talking. We're in it. Um, what's next for your life? I would just say, Mike, I have a six-month visa here. I'm here, and we have a car. We sleep in the car. We have, like, a rooftopper. I have a surfboard with me and my climbing gear. So I would just say just explore. Mexico, I haven't really ever been here. I haven't really practiced Spanish much being here Uh because there's a lot of, like, foreigners who speak English. Right. And so I've just been climbing pretty, like, but so hopefully, you know, eat some good food, travel, see this country, take pictures. Meet Dolly's family at some point. Go to the beach. Just keep looking for climbing spots. I don't know. I would love to go back to school, but I don't want to be in a city right now. Do you want to build wooden boats? I want to learn how to do it so I can build other things. Yeah. And that, I feel like it'd be a good thing. It's like, I like yoga a lot. I'm uh-huh. a yoga teacher. In order to learn yoga, I went and learned to teach it. Like the first time I really got into yoga was like during my first yoga teacher training really yeah okay it's the same like if i could build a boat i could build a house that's what i think so then i was like i'll just learn how to build a boat that'll be my foundation that is really great thinking yeah i feel like it it wouldn't be a bad thing to know how to do do you know how much you spend basically like while you've been here what's kind of your monthly budget since you guys don't pay to camp or do you no we just sleep in the car in the valley okay but we eat a lot and come here we buy coffee Mm -hmm. but i don't know i mean Depending on where I'm living and what the situation is. Like 500 a month? Yeah, I could 500 a month for sure. Uh-huh. But it's also Dolly and I too, so it's both of us. Right. And then gas as well. Oh, gas is so expensive. It's super here. expensive in Mexico. Yeah. But we really haven't been driving much around here. But again, we've just we eat out cuz like what I need to do is find like a just a little gas stove cuz groceries are a lot cheaper than buying like food. Yeah. But I also, we haven't really been putting any money into the community besides the food we buy, which uh-huh. is a good amount, honestly. Right. Like, all the money we do spend is on food or, like, at the markets. So, yeah, 500 a month for sure. I mean, I've talked to people that are living in their cars, and they've spent anywhere from, like, 500 to 1200 For sure. Depending, you know, on if they insure their car or if they have a cell phone plan. And exactly. Things like that that they have to keep up with. Yeah. It's always good to ask that question, though, because there are a lot of people that, come through here that live in their cars or want to live in their cars you exactly. know, like dream of it and they meet people like you guys doing it it's and super this is a good place to do it because there's a cool and this too for like if you 
coming and wanting to climb, even if you don't have a partner, this is a place you can come and like find a partner pretty easily. Because you were, uh, well, Dolly had never really climbed. So who have you been, or what have you been getting on? What's your... A bunch of stuff. A bunch Uh of 510s. Great. Some 511s. But it's been cool because, like, yeah, now Dolly can, like, lead belay me. That's great. And so I'm not, like, scared she's going to drop me. And (laughs) it's just cool. We could just go put up whatever. So Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's in such a nice place. The weather's been great. Today was, like, a little rainy. It was nice. It's getting ready to get freaking cold. It feels cold, dude, for real. I know. That... Breeze like, coming woo. in the window right there. Yeah. I'm like, wow, it's cold. You guys are leaving actually at a really good time. We might get snow. This that's weekend. what I heard. Yeah, I don't mind cruising out. Yeah. So you're heading south. Yeah. That's uh, all I really know. She's more in charge of where. That's great. I'm just like you decide. Because in the states, like I was the one who figured out where we were going because she was sort of out of her comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But here it's more me, so I'm just like, now it's your turn. Just tell me where to go. Yeah. Just tell me and I'll go. I'm down. Do you guys follow some kind of app or something about where you can stay? Um, no, we just... No, you don't? Cause I mean, even the States, I usually just sleep wherever. Jenna was telling me the other day that she uses some app. I overlook or I over... I can't remember. But Not some, sure. some app that tells you where you can stay that's safe. Like, she stayed on the beach in Mazatlan, like, camped for a couple weeks. At I'm sure... I'll pandemic. have to look at, like, Google it. Like, where can I... But usually, I don't know, we just park, like, on a street behind some other cars. But you're a guy, so she's traveling by herself, too. So. No, exactly. I think, and that's another, like I said, you know, not that I'm proud, but being a white man has never hurt me as far as, like, I think that's something, yeah, where it's, like, I've never really been anywhere where I feel, like, threatened. Like, not that I, obviously, like, there's places. Sure. But I'm, like, very aware, and especially after the military, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. I feel like it's got to be hard to be a woman. Right. But I've never, I could, I don't know, you know, it's not, I don't pick up on those things because it's, for me, I'm not like necessarily worried about, not that I shouldn't be, mm-hmm. but again, I don't know. I think it. In the States, do you travel with a weapon? No. I, mean, I know some people. I have like a pocket knife always. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to, like, get in a gunfight. It's like, just kill me. Right. Just do it then. Fine. Take my car. If you win. Like Whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, you know, it's that thing. It's like, what am, what am I going to do? Like, wait every day until that day comes and then fight it mm-hmm. or just, like, enjoy my life. And if it happens, like, obviously I'm always going to do whatever I can to not die unless I feel like it's. I should die. And that's, I, you know what I'm saying? Like if sure. I'm like old, I like, don't want to fight anymore or whatever. It's like, you know, like my grandma, my grandma's like super old and like, she just had a bunch of trouble with like her lungs and stuff. And she's definitely like, you know, she's like, I could see like her and I don't know if she's like into it anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like I love life and I'm really enjoying it. So like I want it to continue. So that's pretty much always like my main goal is to like, protect myself or like be aware of it like where i am and i guess i if i had to i would fight for it but i try to like avoid that as yeah. much as you know and the i try not to think you. about it either you <laughs> right. know it's like i don't want to worry about all the bad because that's the thing people are like aren't you scared about the cartel and it's like yeah sure aren't you scared about everything like i'm scared of everything if I sit and be afraid of something and like let it stop me, then why don't I just let all the things I'm afraid of stop me from all the other things mm-hmm. I want to do? You know, it's like I feel like if I give in, it's just going to like I'll just never leave my house. You know, it's like I think everyone has anxiety, but you have to sort of like deal with it. That's why I like climbing because it's like my body's telling me to stop and I don't have to listen. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's just, it's, it's a not freaky, natural to go up a rock wall 100, 200, 300 yeah. feet up. It's not natural. It's just super, like, it's a mental thing. Right. And I think it's such a cool way to, like, deal with that, that anxiety or that, like, panic and just say, like, breathe. You can worry about all these things, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Or, like, sometimes if I have this really, like, if I'm very afraid of something, I'll, like, counteract it with, like, a really positive thought. But then for some reason, when something, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to find a million dollars, it's like, that's ridiculous. But if I'm like, I'm going to get like in a car accident, then it's like, it seems more like less ridiculous. You know, yeah. it's like, but either one, I don't know either one. Like I can't predict the future. So why should I worry about things? You know, 
You're living. I'm trying. Yeah. I, I, that's one thing I noticed about you right when I met you, was you, you're a guy that's happy and living life. And honestly, there are a lot of people that come through here that are escaping something. Either they, they're running from something or they're running to something. And, and I see you running to life, you know, and I think because you've lived through some stuff. For sure. I think it helps appreciate it is to realize like, I mean, because that's the thing, like even saying like I seem happy because I definitely am, but it's not like it's not permanent. Sure. And I think the realization that like it's that impermanence that sort of gives me comfort in a sense where it's like when I'm very happy, usually I want to hold on to it. I want more of that feeling. But if I just sit back and just appreciate it while it's happening and understand that it's probably not going to last. So then that helps me appreciate it. And it's the same like if I'm really upset or I'm down, I can almost appreciate it. Because it's, I know it's going to pass. Because when have you ever, like, just been in one mood for your whole life? Maybe some people have. And so, I don't know, I can't speak for those people. But for me, it's like, it's just a, a wave mm-hmm. of it's like, it's like the sun is there even when the clouds are out. It's like, you know, when you're, it's like super cloudy and then you fly in a plane and you're like, you get above the clouds and it's like, the sun's just like in the sky. Right. It's like, there's always that sun inside of me, even if it's cloudy sometimes. And so I try to remember that when it's cloudy. Sure. That, like, there's been happy times. And I think for me, it's like without the shitty days, without the hardships, I wouldn't be so grateful. Right. For, like, the boringness of it, of life. You know, like, the simplicity of it's just you're just here for however long you are. And you can do whatever you want. And either you're doing it or you're thinking of ways to get there or you've chose something else. But it's like... For me, there's something inside of me that wants to, like, experience it all while I can. And I don't feel like I should ignore that, mm-hmm. even though it's scary to pursue it. Well, that's the definition of bravery or courage is being scared but keeping on going. Yeah, exactly. Because if we weren't scared, we wouldn't need courage to go And I think it. it's good to be afraid because yeah. I pay more attention when I'm afraid. Right, for sure. <laughs> I get pretty complacent when I'm comfortable. Yeah, you don't tie knots in your rope when you're comfortable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you That's it. wrap right off the yeah. rope. That's well, I really want to thank you because you have brought sunshine here today. Yeah. With just I really appreciate your insight and it's interesting to hear your story because I don't think I've ever met anybody studying wooden boat building. No, I it was yeah. <laughs> and I mean I've met people that have been to Afghanistan and I Iceland? I don't know if I've met someone that's been to Iceland either. So, Super cool. Um, where would you recommend? Okay, all the last question. Quick question. Okay. Where would you recommend going? You've been a lot of places. Favorite place? I sailed from an island in Indonesia to West Papua. You which sailed? Is like, yeah, for like two weeks. And that was really cool. Just it's. I mean, there's so much. I can't even say anything. There's so many great places. Like legitimately. I mean, I would say throw a dart at a map. And go there because that's for me I found that no matter where I am I can find something that makes it beautiful or like stand out even Fort Benning Georgia even Fort Benning Georgia I guess that's <laughs> because it was I mean a lot of who I am was forged through that you know yeah through hating where I was but still like being I still was there and that's the other thing it's like you can do whatever you want or whatever but it's like only you know if you're okay with it like Fort Benning, Georgia, some people love it there. But for me, I, it's your attitude. It's your perspective. Your perspective is your reality. And understand that as well when trying to understand someone else is they have a new, different perspective. So they might not understand your reality. So it's just something. And through travel and culture and being different places, I've realized that like these beliefs I had are mine because of what I've experienced. And so to experience other things... I don't know anything is what I've learned. You know, it's like there's just so many different ways to look at it, whatever this is we're experiencing it. Right. And I think that's what life is. It's like, how do you, how are you experiencing it? You know, but it's, it's such a crazy subjective thing. Well, I love the energy that you bring through the way that you're experiencing life. And thank you for sharing that with us. For sure. On the Tales from Abuwa podcast. I look forward to seeing what, what happens, keeping in touch, seeing what happens next great. with you. and uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll be back out here. Great. Please do. The Buo is still 
we're not going anywhere. And also, I want to say too, I think it's I think it's really cool. Like I'm meeting you and you telling me everything about what you guys do for everyone in the town and for the school and everything like that. Like I think that's just, and everyone that works here has just been like such a beautiful community. Yeah. And and I really that's the other thing is everything I see wherever I go. There's certain things I take away from it, you know. And this is something that I will take away from this is like the beauty in what you guys do and how cool that is great thanks yeah thanks well have a great trip thank you thanks for listening to today's episode of tales from el Blue. hosted recorded and produced by me jam Millsaps. the theme song is el jarabe tapatio performed by maria chipulito please take the time to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and to recommend us to friends and family if you're interested in supporting our efforts in Mexico, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram as El Buo Cafe. Links in the show notes. I look forward to sharing more stories with you here at Tales from El Buo.